Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Guinness World Record holding Fondazi Fire. That's right, everybody. This is a Fondazi Fire Show, and this is a show where we ask the question, what do you want? Now, normally the answer would be more fire, but today on the podcast, the answer is more Yuri or more Alan, whichever you prefer. In this case, it'll be more Alan. <laughs> <laughs> I am your host, Adam the Rumbaro Soko, and with me as always is my lovely and beautiful wife, Katie, Mighty Mouse Matryska. Hi. Hey. Hey. And as you've already announced, we're going to be interviewing Alan, getting to know you outside of Fondazi. That's right. So, Alan, we why don't you- We Teresa. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. It's okay. Hi. <laughs> I'm here. And our beautiful Teresa producing for us. <laughs> So, Alan, why don't you tell the listeners just a little bit about yourself outside of Fondazi? Uh, well, I'm a pretty boring person. Uh, once I get outside of Fondazi, I basically sit at the door and wait patiently for Adam to call. And uh, I, just, I just, yeah, I, I sit there and every once in a while, Adam will forget to give me water and it's a it's a bad day. So, yeah, once I, once I get past that, um, let's see, what do I do outside of Fondazi? Well, um, I... I am a family person, so I have a whole family. I have two kids who are awesome and a wife who's awesome. And uh, I have a dog who's awesome. Pretty much everything's awesome. That was a yeah. great well, interview. So your your awesome. dog, I mean, your family's awesome too, but Emmett. totally love Emmett. Not that I don't love your family, but <laughs> don't worry. The special place in my heart for Emmett. <laughs> Everywhere we go. So a uh, little thing about my dog, Emmett, we were at a festival and I can't remember what weekend it was, but my wife goes and picks up this dog and uh, it, it, Emmett is all of a massive, as an adult, seven pounds. So yeah. as a puppy, if he could fit inside of the palm of my hand and, and uh, he, he uh, my wife brings him through the back gate where, where our first aid is, I think, or C gate, I can't remember, has to get to Fondazi stage, which Normally it takes about 10 minutes at most. It took her almost an hour because every time she walked, people were just like, ah, ah, ah. And, and this poor dog is sitting there like, like there's a thousand hands. Ah. So yeah, yeah, I can see why. Emmett's awesome. Emmett is, awesome. is pretty awesome. It can be a little dangerous at times bringing puppies out to the festival. I remember we brought Teak out when he was a little tiny puppy and he also got passed around like crazy. He, uh, went with Allie and did a full loop of the festival. Right. And then I also saved his life at one point because he decided to eat a tendon of a chick of a turkey leg, which was as long that. as he was. Yeah, he he was very tiny. He not nearly as tiny as Emmett, but I think he was about seven pounds when we brought him out there. And yeah, he uh, that yeah, tendon was, was like as big as his body. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, the dogs will. You know, they they just don't have any, a lot of survival instincts. So no. <laughs> They're just like, I'm going for it. And you're like, no, no, no. <laughs> so Alan, one of the things recently, uh, during the the second gym shutdown, I watched on your Facebook as you were doing workouts throughout um throughout the shut the 30 day shutdown. That was pretty inspiring. Um Oh, thanks. 
Yeah. And working out is kind of like one of your other hobbies, is it not? Kind of, you know, um, as I think there was a time when I didn't work out and then, um, I realized, uh, somewhere along the lines, I think I was like almost 30 and I was getting really overweight and I had a lot of health, uh, potential health problems. You know, you go to the doctor and they tell you, uh, if you don't do all these things, you know, all these other things are going to happen. So I just kind of had to decide one day to, to take all that advice to heart. And I just started working out. I just started doing a lot of that. And so I don't say I'm like a workout person. Like you see these guys in the gym, you know, they have one and a half percent body fat and they do work out all the time. It's really a hobby, but it's more like a lifestyle than a, than a, uh, like, a like, uh, I don't, I'm not, I don't need to flex in front of the gym or, or get ripped abs or anything, but I do want to have low cholesterol and low, all, all my metrics healthy. So that's what I go for mostly that. And I think in like more flexibility and, uh, endurance as far as, mm-hmm. especially as you get older and for and, and anybody who, uh, it gets older, they realize like you can lift these huge amounts of weight when you're 30, when you're like 50, you lift those weights and like for the next four days, you just wish you didn't lift any weights. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, so, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's tough as you get older to, to have a lot of weight and mass. And also you know, it's just, it's just easier to have more of a, you know, just to be more, uh, regular lean body mass. So yeah, it, it is a lot, it is a big hobby for me, but, and also my daughter, Lily is getting into it. Now we go to the gym uh, twice a week when it's open get in there and when we're, and we can do that and practice our, our safety. And, uh, and then, uh, so she gets a chance to kind of get involved with that now too. So she's really, really digging that. We're certain working on things like, uh, postures for doing pull-ups and different weights like that. So she can do things. Uh, so for her, like she has a really strong lower body, but not that great upper body. So we're just working on it and she's, she's seeing really good results. The greatest thing about when you don't work out is that when you start working out, you see really good results right away, which is awesome. Yeah, that beginner, those beginner gains are something else. Yeah. And you're like, look at this. I'm going to be like 400 pounds and ripped in like four months. I'm like, dude, that's not how it works. <laughs> what kind of workouts do you prefer doing? So I think my favorite workout is probably yoga. I love doing that because it is a combination of uh, different exercises. So yoga is not one universal thing. You don't just stand on a rock overlooking a sunset while the ocean rolls in and, and drop into a, a you know, warrior one and look out and live the Zen. <laughs> a lot of it is, you know, a lot of it is a lot of stress and, 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 uh, and sweating. So yoga is interesting to me because like all workouts, it's what you put into it is what you get out of it. So it's very easy, just like in weightlifting, you can go in and lift 10 pounds or you can lift 200 pounds and you're going to get different results. And it's the same with yoga. So it's a, it's a lot of self-actualization and I just like the breathing and I feel like, uh, it makes me balanced in a lot of ways more than just like really balanced, but I mean like, uh, uh, spiritually and holistically it makes me feel like I can do anything. It's always a great thing to do when I, when you feel stressed and I'm, I get highly stressed about a lot of things because I do a lot of things a lot of activities. And so it's, it's sometimes good to just be like, all right, I'm doing 20 minutes of a yoga thing. And it's, it's like you burn off that nervous energy and at the same time you calm yourself and then you come out all the better. But, uh, yeah. And I, and I also like being flexible, but I'm, again, I, I, I'm not a contortionist. So, and I'm also almost 50. <laughs> so, you know, like, uh, but being able to like go with the flat, like the, like, I remember, uh, when I was first starting, I could barely like touch my knees practically. You know, you're, you're like, you're like, I can't believe how horrible I am. And you know, now, now you can, now you can at least, you know, touch the ground palms flat. And 
that's that's pretty good for me. I'm, I can accept that, you know. Whereas, if, like my daughters are dancers, they can pretty much wrap themselves in their pretzels. So, you know, they always they for all of my gains, I will always be not as good as them to them. <laughs> that's okay, and that's okay. Yoga can be a lot of fun. I've uh, I've only dabbled in it from time to time. I haven't gotten serious about it. the The most consistent I ever was was like yoga from P ninety X, and there was one time where. Uh, I think Katie convinced me to go to Lifetime Yoga. Uh, no, that would be my sister. Ah, yes. That was not me. She convinced both of us because we are horrible when it comes to her. And she also made me run a marathon. So, you know, she's horrible. Yeah, but she... Or she seven. Or seven. <laughs> she did say it was only going to be like a 45, 60 minute class. And it turned out to be a 90 minute class. And it, Yeah, you did a stanga. Yeah. 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 But don't like, worry. I took her down. When I fell, I grabbed onto her. <laughs> I did a I did a, uh, a a double Ashtanga class, which was basically like two hours and some change. And I tell you, even me, who I do yoga a lot, certainly not the best yogi in the room or anything, but I do a lot. But those last fifteen minutes, they felt really, really long. I was like, when is this ever going to get over with? So <laughs> I, I I hear you know, it, you know, yoga is like being doing a marathon. You can't just jump in and be like, I'm doing sixteen miles today. You know, you have to do, have to build up. And that's true yeah. for anything, whether you're a tennis player or a bike rider or whatever. You know, if you're going to do something, play guitar, dance with fire, whatever it is, you have to start small and not expect to be great and just keep doing it. Because here's a, the most ironic part about being good at something is by the time you get good at something, you're like, you don't impress yourself. You know, you're like, I've been doing this so long and I've worked so hard <laughs> at it that and people are like, wow, you can do that. And you're like, I don't even care. You know, it's like, I, I just, I just, I like doing it. But, you know, it's like, you know, you, 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 you have to have like the ego beat out of you, you know, to the point where you, by the time you get to be great at it, uh, yeah, I have friends of mine who are like bodybuilders and they can just, you know, bench, bench up like hundreds and hundreds of pounds. And you, and you're like, you're totally impressed. They're like, yeah, you, you just seen the 600 times that that fell on my chest. You know, it's like, so <laughs> it's, it's definitely, you know, it's, it's by the time you, by the time you get to be great at something, you definitely have paid the pay the dues. And if you don't, I, there, there's an expectation sometimes that people think that it's magic. Like you're dancing with fire or you're doing whatever you're going to do. Like there's like, Oh, those guys are like enchanted or something. And they don't see the hundreds of hours of work that, that people put in for whatever activity it is not just what we do, but all of festival and all the people that they do, like the many, many hours of people trying to sing in harmony. If I used to sing in a hard group of harmony and when you're trying to do a new song, it is not, it's, it's usually a train wreck. It's, it's really bad. It takes a while. Yeah. You know, some of the pieces that we perform that are kind of seamless like that, that people find so mesmerizing, like sheets and daggers, for instance, when I danced that one with Brad, it's like, this is one of our first majorly choreographed songs. We've been doing this piece this way for over like for around 10 years, probably. Yeah. And there's thousands of repetitions through that song. Yeah, we were at uh, we were at uh, Minnehaha Falls when we when we first brought that together right out the park out there. Right, I remember that. Oh yeah, I remember yes, that. We yeah, we choreographed yeah. it with Ellen over in St. Paul. So every time I see that park, I'm like, that's where we choreograph sheets and daggers. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> What are you doing on a typical Saturday afternoon around 3 p.m.? I am usually doing 
some kind of housework. It's a, I'm, I'm that boring. Uh, in the last three, in the last three years, I've been slowly, I don't want to say I'm remodeling my house, but I'm repainting and replacing everything in every room. And I'm the biggest thing I'm doing is like replacing floors and some windows and some doors and things, nothing major, but all those things take a lot of time and I'm very bad at them. So I, so I simply just sometimes do things two and three times and, uh, it takes a while, but I don't know. There's certain, it's like, like yoga. There's a certain Zen in just doing activities and keeping busy. So I try reading every, every about three or four years, I try to sit and read and it does not work for me. I sit down and open a book and I, and I get like 15 minutes into it and I start thinking of all the things that this book, especially if it's a good book and it inspires me. Oh, like, oh, I can do this or I can do that. And then I'm, and suddenly I'm like, nope, I'm going to do that. Just throw the book down and just go and go and <laughs> do the thing I wanted to do. So, uh, you know, that, that, and, and some people I have to applaud. Some people, uh, can just sit and read why I have a, a really good friend of mine who uh, will read like the whole series of books when the next one comes out. So like when the wheel of time came out, there's like 11, 12, 13 books, whatever it is. When the like book five came out, he read, he went back and read one, two, three, four, and then five. And then when six wow. came, you know, it's like, and uh, wow. people who are like that, they're amazing to me. I, I don't know how they have the, the power to do that. That's, I wish I did. So I, I listen to audiobooks when I'm uh, doing a lot of this work, especially if I'm painting or doing something relatively mindless. Um, I'll put an audio book on and, and listen to it. And I seem to have an easy time to follow it, which is still fun. But I definitely uh, would never have been able to read, read that book when I was sitting down at the couch. I can understand that. So is there a hobby that you wish you had more time for besides reading? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think my if I had a magic that I could go back and do again, I would love to be like a cartoon animator. I find animation and cartoons – to be uh, way more of an art than some people like to give it as a as credit. Um, now you're getting more and more people nowadays who kind of see it as an art. But for a long time, it was sort of like Saturday morning cartoons. But there is a lot of fantastic uh, anime and things like that that are just amazing art and stories. And I love telling stories and storytelling. I go like when we do our dances. With what we, I try to when I'm writing songs and things or, or, or organizing them. I try to do it as a story. Like I try to in my my head tell a story of what we're doing. I love being a storyteller. And so the idea of doing that with a different medium of being able to do it with art would be really, really fun. So I, I, years ago, I started to start out of the blue, maybe it was four, five years ago. It wasn't that many, a lot long ago. I decided to just start doing it and uh, I've been doing it here and there. I do, I did some videography stuff with a lot of animation and things like that for my kids for their dance. Uh, got pretty, pretty elaborate, but, um, with uh, I do stuff with Blender and with uh, After Effects and with Photoshop. Uh, not a whole lot with Illustrator, uh, but I do a lot of like pup- puppeting effects with uh, with animation. But the problem is animation just takes an incredible amount of dedication to be good at, and and it fascinates one of me when I see like uh, like uh, you know these young guys who these women and men who come to in and they they're like you know 20 something and they'll be able to rip out something it's it's just amazing to me so but that, you know that's because when they were 11 years old instead of listening in math class they were drawing cartoons they were doing it already for you know they they have 12 13 years of experience by the time they're 24 so so did you want to be an animator when you grew up or is that just something a more recent hobby what did you want to be when you grew up oh that's interesting um when i wanted when i grew up 
when I wanted to, the very first thing I ever wanted to do was I wanted to make film, I wanted to be a movie maker. In fact, when I was a young kid and I, I, I have to find it. We used to make movies all the time when I was kids that we did all the kids on our block, we would write scripts and we would make these movies and they're always over the top, basically retellings of whatever was the current story of the day, you know, cause when you're, when you're 12, 13, you don't really have an understanding of what art is in creating film. So you just take something like we saw the Halloween movie. So we created our own Halloween basic copy of a murder mystery, you know, and we created <laughs> like Rambo movies and stuff like that. And it was hilarious because we had like no special effects because we're, you know, 13. So we're like literally running around with like the, the red tip guns and we're like, <laughs> They do first blood. They do first blood. You know, that's kind of stuff. So, <laughs> you know, so, you know, I used to, that was probably, and I was going to do that. I was pretty dead set on doing that until I think I kind of got talked out of it. And, uh, uh, you know, because the problem was I, I came from a very um, conservative in the fact that not a lot of risk-taking environment and uh, a lot of the idea of going to film seemed so abstract, you know, so I kind of got talked out of doing that, that work. And I kind of went into something much more, uh, long-term stable and it's fine. But I think if I could go back and do it again, I would probably do something like that to just, uh, be willing to be crazy because, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, you, you're going to, you just got to have fun with things. You know, you can't take things too serious. Right. Um, did you have an inspiration as far as like, a favorite kind of movies or a favorite director or favorite filmmaker? Well, like every kid who grew up where I, where my era, you know, star Wars was like the main movie, right? It was the thing that, that every other movie was compared against the, that series. Uh, also Indiana Jones, which is a, a, by a lot of the same people, you know, they had those adventure movies that sort of had like, they had a lot of spirit and energy, but also a lot of heart behind them. They had interesting stories that went beyond just, uh, you know, uh, Saturday morning cartoon level villains and and uh, things like that that were really fun. I, when you know when you're younger, you don't get too much in the drama because um, you know it's it's all about colors and flashy things. It's like it's like the Pokemon of film, right? <laughs> right. So uh, so yeah, and and uh, you know I used to I used to uh, and, and anything with special effects that I would love to watch the VFX as they advance. Um, you know, I, I grew up when I was, I think it was six years old when Star Wars came out. So I was still pretty young when like that was considered the pre the preeminent sort of model and built on models, by the way, model of how to build fantastic movies. And so, uh, and then I remember that my big, my next biggest turning point was when I saw Jurassic Park because, uh, watching those, those, uh, dinosaurs look so incredibly real. I, I, I was floored by that. And so, uh, yeah, I, I, but, yeah. but I, I think, I think, you know, growing up, it was really like Star Wars, Indiana Jones. I would play when we got together with my friends, we were always doing Indiana Jones or, uh, some type of thing like that. We'd be running through buildings and, and jumping through stuff. In fact, we used to run on top of the trains in Chicago. We would jump on the backs of the trains as they were moving and we would run across <laughs> the tops of them. And, and really? we would jump from, yeah, we would jump from, from train, the train, the train, and, and we would literally do like, uh, like, uh, train action sequences while the real trains were going through the city. Now to be fair, when trains are going through the city, they're actually under restriction. So they don't go very fast. They're really much like they're, they're inching along. So I don't want it to feel like they're ripping it's at a 50 miles really, an hour. It's still really dangerous. I was at the train museum it in is. Duluth. And I, I climbed up on top of the trains there, which I'm sure you're not supposed to do, but it was after hours. 
Uh, and even with the train standing still being on top of that thing is like terrifying. They're so high up. Yeah, that's scary. Yeah, they're crazy. In fact, we used to do this thing in, in, when we were kids. We had these bikes, and they'd have these big, long uh, places where the, they'd work on trains and work on buses. And these these warehouses were giant hangars that were – as a kid, they seemed way bigger than they probably were in real life. But but um, they would be these long tr- tunnels. And what we'd do is all of us kids, we'd, we'd dare each other. And we'd take our bikes, and we'd start on one end and kind of loop around. And then at full blast, ride our bikes right in the middle of the whole – all these guys working just like flying through there. And, and the idea was to get through and get to the other side without getting caught, you know, and, and without having somebody grab you or, or anything like that. And, you know, the thing is, I don't think that any of the guys would have really tried to grab you, but as a kid, you know, that seems very much a real thing, you know, like some adults going to grab you and you're never going to see your parents again. So, uh, so we would do that thing. And, and we would, we would, we would be literally yelling, ah, like this thing. And I can imagine all these adults like working and they're lifting their head, like here comes another kid. And Dosha's having hole. a heart attack. <laughs> Don't fall in the hole. Don't. Well, so there's a part of the rack that where the where they like lift buses and trains up, and it actually looks like a lift that you'd have lifted for the uh, a car, but only really, really big, right? And they'd have these yep. kind of ramps that went up to it, and it'd go about 12 feet high. And we take the bikes up, and we'd run across these rails across the top, and. Oh, and uh, you know, and the you know they're they're wide. You know, the platforms are two feet wide, so it's not as quite as narrow as like you'd think, but. But they're graded, you know, so the yep. grease and stuff could fall through. And we'd run through them, and you go, as you're riding through it. And uh, and uh, and all these people are young. Hey, kid, get down off of there, you know. We thought that was we thought we were like superheroes. It was fantastic. And I always I always <laughs> imagined myself being like filmed by like nowadays you you do it like a drone, but at the time it was like always a helicopter that was flying over you, filming you and you in your brain. You're you're doing all these great stunts, and you know that's what happens. And now, now I play guitar for a fire troop. So who inspires you now as an adult? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't have one person who inspires me because I, I, I think that people's actions inspire me. I always find courage in the people who sort of stand up for themselves the most. So uh, I, I, really, I really get more into like... Um, for example, not to, I, I don't want to get too political because that's not really what the show is about, but I love the idea of like Bernie Sanders because what inspires me about him is that he is a person who is stuck with his convictions his whole life. You may or may not agree with everything he's done, but if you look back as a politician from 35 years ago to now, he's had the same message. You know, he's, he's, he's been, he's been, he stood up for what he believed in, you know, and I, and I, I respect people who stand up for what their convictions are and don't waver. Even people I disagree with uh, politically or spiritually or any of those things. I'm like, you know, if you, if you live by what you preach, you know, then, then I can respect you. So I don't really have like a person, but I think that I, 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 I you know, one thing I like about Fondazi is like, we always said, they were going to have like a family show. Like we we're always going to be a family mm-hmm. show. And, it, and we never really uh, decided to, to change just to get a few more viewers, you know, or we're going to change to do this other show. We, we may do funner shows. Like we may have like some rock music and stuff like that. And, and when you guys do certain fire shows and stuff, but it's still sort of like, even if there was a three-year-old or four-year-old watching it, it wasn't going to be anything that they're going to, they're, they're going to still have fun. You know, the music may be loud or whatever. And I really like that. You know, I like the fact that we sort of, we're the same in a lot of ways, even though we change over time, we, we don't ever really throw that out with what we do. So I really, yeah, like we've that. had, we've had offers to do shows that weren't family shows and it just didn't, didn't seem right. Didn't feel right. So we had to pass on those type of venues as well. 
and there are other acts that do those type of things you know i mean and, and it's it's okay to know your space that's totally fine yeah 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 there there are certain shows that kind of lend themselves to that but yeah we we always had that we're going to be a family show. We're going to entertain from age zero to 102. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that all of us, all of our families, uh, us as the Socos and the Mises and the, the, the Graymonts, the Weeks and the Sterlings, we're all very family oriented ourselves. All of us. We're all, you know, we all love to spend time with our kids. We all love to do things with our spouses and with our families. And, you know, Alan, we've done holidays with you. And it yep. was always about being with, well, as long as my family can come or I'm going to bring my family or sure, let's get together with our families. It's always been families. Yeah. I'm really missing game night. We yeah. need to <laughs> Me too. Me too. Get over all this distancing. I also, gaming. I also realized, Ellen, there was a good like three or four years of uh, you. For some reason, you and your family would be over doing game nights the night before Easter. And you would sit there with the, and you would help us like stuff the eggs and we'd watch. Yep. Lord of the Rings. I don't remember why we watched Lord of the Rings or what, but that was yeah, just yeah. this little tradition we started that we didn't realize we had done with you guys. Yeah. And then for some reason it stopped and was like, oh, I missed that. I miss watching Lord of the Rings and stuffing Easter eggs with you and Heather or just you if she yeah. wasn't available. Yeah, there, there, we definitely need to do more of those gaming nights and stuff when we get a chance because uh, it's been a while. Yeah, I, uh, I definitely like... Uh, spending time with people. Some people are introverted. I often, I don't know if I'm introverted or extroverted, but I know that I get energy when I'm talking to people and, and I'm communicating with people. And when I'm by myself, I can, I generally, the longer I'm by myself doing my own thing, the more, um, the less energy I have over time. So I just, sure. I need to kind of like get, whereas I think well, some people, my, my wife being one of them, they're the, they're the opposite. They can have fun with being with people, but they need a long, they need that decompression. Leave me alone time. And I can respect that too. But yeah. And the nice thing about getting together too, is that we get to eat things that we normally wouldn't eat. Like the artichoke dip. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm going to tell you, I, I had a horrible diet. I had a horrible diet this last four months. I'm getting better this month. I had an absolute horrible diet because, uh, you know, it's like we're in COVID time We're I'm not going out to see anybody. I definitely probably, I don't know if I would say I had depression, but I definitely had this sort of like, um, uh, lethargy about my, my life. I mean, you can only go out, you can only be in front of the, the, uh, the TV so long before you did that. So in fact that you talked about that, uh, uh, thing I did where I, 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 every day for 30 days, I did a workout and I posted it. That was more for me than for anybody. You know, it was sure. like, I, I, cause the thing is when you commit to something publicly, you sort of will, you'll do whatever it takes to, to make it stick. And I was doing things like it would be midnight and I'm like, I haven't done a workout today and I got to do something. And I'm like, I'm doing it. I know it's late, but I'm just going to make it work. And, you know, and uh, that's important. I think setting goals and, and being accountable for them is the only way that works for me because it's so easy to cheat at everything, you know? Yep. Yeah. I've, I've been texting with Johnny and my buddy, Mike, and just like, Hey, I did this workout, you know, or this is what my plan is coming up. So at least I have something for a accountability and katie and i often will push each other too we work out together most days yeah i made him finish his lift today oh i did not want to finish <laughs> he, he, he threw the dumbbells down on the ground and he sat up he said i'm done i said okay okay let's go again and picked it up and handed it to him like you have three more to do let's go uh, it was so painful but it was awesome yes. so alan what is your favorite comfort food since we started talking about artichoke dip 
Oh, definitely hamburgers and fries is like probably my favorite right now. I, I, I think it changes over the seasons, you know, but like, uh, like, uh, I, I love like a five guys burger and fries. Like I can, I could honestly eat that every day. Or the other one is the other one I really love is Leanne Shins. And, okay. uh, what do you get love, at Leanne like, Shins? Oh, the worst food possible, which is orange chicken, <laughs> which is like, it's 670 calories per serving. It's a, it's not, do not eat this unless you have a death wish. Like <laughs> if, 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 if you're about, you know, if you got called, if you're, if you're got called up and you're about, you know, to go into war, maybe, you know, grab some of this, but before that, you know, you're just, you're just terminating your life really. Uh, but it is fantastic. It's fantastic. So, but the other thing is, thing is there is, so there are many options you can do to like, if you look at like Leon chins for calories and things like that, there's ways you can kind of inch your way down. So what I do is I, I'll start like, I love orange chicken, but I'm not going to have that, but I can have Mongolian chicken, but that's, so that's like 470. So that's, I'm like dropping 200 calories. Like I keep pushing it down, but if I can do Mongolian chicken, I can probably, you know what I mean? I kept I can't walking myself down <laughs> till I get myself something that is, that is still, you know, not as good as making food from home and things like that, but is at least um, not terrible for you. That's good. Do you, are you a connoisseur of burgers? Do you search for better burgers out there? Have you tried like Red Cow or Pub 819? Of course. Uh, in fact, uh, my, one, of my, one of my really good friends, uh, they, before this COVID stuff happened, we would go out about once a month or so, uh, and we would go to different places. And a lot of places were burger places. So I went to Red Cow, but all of them in the Twin Cities. And by the way, Red Cow is a really good one. It so, is really good. Have you tried Pub 819? It's over in Hopkins. So good. I'm trying to think about tried Pub 8. No, I don't think I don't think I've been there. Maybe Definitely I'll have to ask my friend. It. Yeah. Yeah, my friend keeps track of that, this stuff a lot better. So uh, I'll, I'll even say, like, we should do this. And they're like, ah. We already did that like two years ago. I'm like, oh, we can do it again. I'm like, let's do it again. Well, we might have to tag along on these burger nights for sure. Oh, we actually yeah. have a, a couple friend that we keep talking about going out to have burgers with. And then we, I don't know who canceled the first time. It was either them or it was us. And the second time it was us. And then the third time it was them. And then she got pregnant again. <laughs> so then she had to like, her diet was unsure. And then she had the baby. So then it was. We were yep. trying to go out, and then finally we were like, we're going to go out, and then COVID hit. And it was like, well, never mind. Oh, damn it. We've been only trying for three years to go for burgers. <laughs> yeah. Yay, COVID. Sorry. What? Speaking of uh, favorite things, what's your uh, favorite season? It could be a season of the year, season of TV, any <laughs> season of anything. Well, you know, um, I do like a good sea salt, but I would say <laughs> that my favorite <laughs> – my favorite, nice. my favorite season is by far summer. I I, I am not a, a winter person. Um, it's okay, and I but my and my absolute worst one, which is ironic since we do the festival in that is fall. I do not like fall. I do not like really. The, yeah, I I like the early part of like the like you would what they call like that later part of summer where it starts getting with the longer days and it's still kind of like fresh, but it's it's interesting. Could get a little dry and and warm. But I don't like the decay. The, the decay is sort of like uh, not my favorite. I, I don't know. I just I just feel I see everything slowly going brown. And the, and the other thing is Minnesota gets brown and it stays brown for a long time before snow comes. You know, so there's like that long. So there's this long period uh, where nothing happens, where you're like you're all ready for winter. But it, it's kind of like it's kind of like I feel like I have my keys and I'm waiting for my kids in the foyer. You know, and, and I'm like, come on, guys. And uh, 
and, and you're standing there and you're standing there and just standing like, like winter's coming someday. So, uh, but yeah, and, and I think I, I feel better about winter when I get a chance to get out. I honestly hate going out, but my wife drives me out and I love when she gets me out and we come back like afterwards. But the idea it's when it's like, you know, 10 degrees outside and you're sitting in your warm house, all toasty. And she's like, let's go snowshoeing. Let's go, let's go cross country skiing. And you're like, oh. and then but then then you go out you know you go out and you do it so anybody who's in that situation where you know they're like i really want to go and you're if you feel like really shut into winter let's go out and try because it'll be helpful i my wife has to remind me every single time she's like you know you'll you'll have a good time when you go you had a good time yeah yeah okay fine but i don't feel it until (laughs) actually i go out sounds like Haley. Yeah, I've had the exact same conversation with her of once we got back from something. See, you had fun. She goes, I know I was going to have fun. I just didn't want to go. <laughs> Fine. So, Alan, what what do you do professionally? What do you call yourself? What do you call uh, yourself? <laughs> <laughs> wow, well, I, uh, I, I don't really have a I don't have, have a I don't have a self title that you know that I that serves me well. No, um, so I write software is what I do, and primarily around the UI. So uh, I used to do what they call full stack. And a lot of people like to call themselves full stack, which means you do from the front end software all the way back to the database and everywhere in between and cloud services and those type of things. But now the last, the last half a decade or so I've been organizing myself into both mostly UI. I do mobile and web app development mostly. So what does UI mean? I'm not very tech savvy. No, that's fine. That's fine. So it's the, the UI is like the front end, the user, the UI stands for user interface and they all user interface. And the other one they have is UX, which is different, means user design or user experience. There is a technical difference, but for anybody who doesn't know what those terms mean, it doesn't mean anything. Basically, when you go when you open up your app or your phone, you see all those applications on there, all the things you're touching and, and interacting with, that's the UI. But there's actually quite a magic piece of software that's happening below that. All there's a whole service industry um, underneath it that is incredibly complex. So, awesome. yeah. yeah. So, and nowadays, you know, one of the things that's weird when I, from where I was a kid to where now is everybody uh, tends to have to be an expert at something to be, you know, to, to be in their field. It used to be that a lot more people were generalists, like you did a lot of different things, but now, um, you know, it's, it's, everyone needs to really be an expert at something to, to, cause it's, everything's so complicated, you know, even, even cars, you know, I, I used to work on, on cars at my, my, my friend, my best friend's dad and I, um, uh, I would go to his house because his dad was a mechanic, and he would we would work on cars all together. We we disassemble everything and reassemble it. We would change engines on cars and stuff. Now I couldn't imagine doing that with the current cars. You know, like all those no. engines and all the complexity computer parts and stuff. So no, they've they've made it much more complicated these days, and everything's yeah. harder to get to. <laughs> yeah, I had an Audi one time, and they had to change the starter in the Audi. And the starter was $350 and they were going to charge me $2,000 to change the starter because they have to essentially disassemble the car to change the starter <laughs> and then reassemble the car. I'm like, there's quality planning for you. 
Who are these? Who yep. are these Germans, and why did they <laughs> destroy my car? Yeah, we just had the starter replaced on the Saturn, and I think it took Haley's dad like four hours just to do that starter, which is exactly why I did not do it. <laughs> <laughs> I changed the starter in my 1966 Volvo on the side of the road, talking to my dad on the phone as he talked me through it. Because you're freaking awesome. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, that's because cars were way easier back then. Yeah, a lot more space. Yeah. And because you're awesome, a lot of space. Yeah, well, there's no. Yeah, you are awesome. awesome. Good. Good job. But, you know, I mean, it is true. For example, like, you know, changing changing spark plugs in a, in like an 81 Oldsmobile Cutlass was effectively like changing a light bulb. It wasn't any much diff- very much different. You know, nowadays you'll have like you'll have like two or three on the side, three in this weird, you know, two on the back. You know, like you're you're doing contortionism. To, to, another reason to do yoga, maybe. You're doing contortionism <laughs> just to, to get in there. And, and, uh, and uh, so I – and you need special tools. Like you need a special tool for the Audi in order to change the spark plugs uh, and – it's like, ah, oh, the, the amount of effort to take to do that, there's a certain point where we're just like, you know what? I'm just going to work extra hours. I'd rather just work and make more money and, <laughs> and pay somebody else to do it. Well, Alan, we're going to wrap things up here. I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to come and talk to us and let the viewers know a little bit more about you outside of Fondazi. Uh, I do have one final question for you. I was hoping you could give a little bit of wisdom to the viewers, something that you've learned over years or something that you find valuable to have as a send-off? Oh, sure. Um, I would say my one piece of wisdom, the one thing I, I kind of use as my code for, for life is that um, I'm trying to think of a good way to place, to put it, but effectively it's this, it's never leave a mistake unfixed just because you took a lot of time to make it. Yeah. You know, if, if, if you did something and you, if you were did something for 10 years and you realize that whole 10 years, you, you were making a mistake. It's okay to fix it. If you spend, if you spend six, seven hours putting in a tile floor and it really is, and you get done and, it, and you mess it up, rip it out and fix it. You know, it, it just because you spent that time doing something wrong and making a mistake it, it doesn't, it's like, it's like spent costs. It's gone. You know, now you have to live with this floor. So just rip it out and do it again. That was a real thing. I actually had to do that. Um, <laughs> you know, so, so yeah, I mean that, that, and in fact, you know, we, we do this all the time with, with Fondazi, you know, even if we, we spend tons of time, I don't care if I spent six, seven, eight, nine hours writing a song, did all these things. I did recording and stuff. If I put it out there, you know, if, if nobody likes it, it it's not, we're, it, it's not worth it, just throw it away just do it start again you know it, it's not worth getting upset about it's that cost you you've done something you you're you probably learned something out of it throw it away yep. and, and do it again better so yeah mistakes are the best ways of learning i mean that's that's the ultimate right there yeah i think a lot of people go into to every activity feeling like this is the this is the penultimate you know um essence of my being this thing i'm about ready to do is amazing it's gonna be fantastic and then they do it and it doesn't work out you know it doesn't work out and it's and some people will get very defensive about that like oh you know i they why are you attacking me about this or whatever and sometimes you even yourself like you look at a floor and it's terrible uh in, that, in my particular case uh you know sometimes but you just gotta you just gotta realize you know it's not like it's not a criticism it's just a learning opportunity right you just do it and you just rip it out and do it again and for somebody who's terrible at doing house stuff trust me I've had many, many learning opportunities. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, thanks again, Alan. I really appreciate you taking your time to come and talk to us and let the fans learn a little bit more about you and really support the Yuri Nation. <laughs> wow, oh. you just got to put that in there, didn't you? I had to put that yeah, in there. It's, it's a good way to sign hey, it off. Please bring, please bring your more signs. I like to see the signs. <laughs> If you want to become a Patreon subscriber, pop on over to the Patreon and look for Fondazi Fire. If you have any questions or show ideas for us, anything that you want to know, then email us at Fondazi at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe to Fondazi Fire Presents What Do You Want on your favorite podcast platform. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>